Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're doing Marvel. Ah! Why does Marvel have so many examples for us for this season? I feel like I'm betraying my people. I think it's, I think honestly, I think it's because once we get back to DC, we're gonna, I think we're gonna hit it, hit it pretty hard. But, never leave. you know, hey, what does it say though, that even though we're called Bat Therapy, we're able to be so diverse and branch branch out, right? Mm -hmm. That's what makes us so great. Right? That's what makes us better than the Marvel people. Right. We grow. <laughs> we grow. We, We're accepting. We adapt like Batman to the changing world <laughs> around us. Oh, maybe that's what we should do for all the like non-DC. At the end, we just talk about, and here's why Batman's better. <laughs> oh, that would be. That would, that, I go. think <laughs> that all of our Marvel fans out there would greatly appreciate us. <laughs> What Marvel fans? Marvel people don't even find us, probably. <laughs> I, I bet they do. No, well, I've had do. I've had many people come to us and say, "Oh my God, I love how you broke down the the I don't know what's something Marvel that we've done." <laughs> uh, we did Wanda, Thor. Thor yeah, we did and, Thor, Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness. We've done a few. Yeah, we've done. Yeah, we. Yeah. Okay, all you're right. right. We're. I'm not, okay. you're not, I'm, we're not doing Marvel today. I'm just talking about something different. <laughs> so as we digress before we even get started, <laughs> we are going to talk about Professor Charles Xavier today. Yes, Professor X. I've never really thought about, so it was funny because I, when, when I was looking at topics to do, I never really thought about Charles Xavier as a psychologist mm-hmm. or as a therapist and i guess Mm -hmm. looking back on it comic book wise he does have a degree in psychology and one of my first things was that i was going to ask you because obviously we see him interacting with dozens and dozens of mutants and helping them with their powers whether it's mental power or physical power like he helps all of them but they do list him as both a psychologist and separately as a therapist and it's one question that i don't know if i've ever brought up here before but what is the difference between a psychologist and a therapist good question so i will answer that and and i think by the end of this we will probably not be able to answer what is professor x exactly he's a Um, lot he's a lot and we'll talk about it but yeah so a psychologist is a far more encompassing discipline than i think a lot of people realize So a therapist is someone that provides psychotherapy. It can be a number of different types of psychologists, and I will clarify that in a little bit. Uh, But there are a few types of psychologists that would fall into this realm. 
um, social work, uh, not all social workers, but some are clinical social workers and are trained in therapy, licensed professional counselors, um, marriage and family therapists. I always feel like I'm forgetting one or two. Those are the, the main ones, at least in the United States. I'm not sure about other countries. And then some people do psychotherapy, even though it's not the primary component of their discipline. So some psychiatrists do, for example. Uh, you might have some psychiatric nurse practitioners that do. These are folks that tend to be more in the medical, medication side of things, but sometimes they do get some added training. So now let's talk about psychology. So all I can find on Professor X is that he, ha that he has an MD in psychiatry which does mean that he can provide clinical services related to mental health, as long as he's licensed still. And then that he has a PhD in psychology. That does not tell you if he can do therapy. So the psychiatry side, maybe he got that training. Based on the timeline of when he went through training, actually he probably did get psychotherapy training. There used to be a lot more of that in psychiatry than there is now. Nowadays, people going through psychiatry programs get a lot more limited psychotherapy training. So it's not very common for them, at least more recent training, to do that. Um, but when it comes to the PhD in psychology, there's clinical psychology, counseling psychology, some education and school psychology. Those tend to be ones where you get licensed as someone who can do psychotherapy and other services like assessment, etc. But you also have experimental psychologists. You have social psychologists, cognitive psychology, personality psychologists. You've got a number of other ones that actually focus more on understanding people, researching people, being able to consult and provide information to the masses. There's industrial and organizational psychology that works with businesses and others, but they aren't licensed clinical psychologists, i.e. they cannot practice psychotherapy and related clinical work. So a PhD, that's, that, so that's the tricky bit. A PhD in psychology does not equal the ability to do psychotherapy. Okay. Wow. So yeah, there's, so it's a, it's so interesting that both of those terms can be so broad. It's, I know. It's, it's, it's so very, broad. yeah. It's so broad because you're, because I guess you're like, te you are both of those things, correct? So a psychologist and a therapist. Is that yes. what you mean by that? Yes. Yes. So, you're, so you're both. Yes. So I have a doctorate in clinical psychology and am licensed. So I can also practice currently because you also have to remain licensed in a state to be able to practice. Yes. So. Yeah. Me and Dr. Brown have been friends for a very long time, and majority of the time when we did talk after high school, she was still in school, and still in Forever. school, and still in <laughs> school, and so, I mean, I was in school for a while too, but yep. you, wow, like, you were really in school, and then after that, yeah, you went and time. did, like, uh, I guess it's not, it's, the word isn't internship, was it fellowship? It is. Is yeah, this internship. internship? Okay. So I did an internship. I also did a fellowship. So fellowships are voluntary, like added training that you can do. Um, but yeah, when you do clinical psychology or related types of psychology where you become 
you can become a therapist. Um, you have your graduate school and a requirement in order for you to eventually be licensed is to do an internship, which is a full year of added clinical training where you have to get certain number of hours and different things in addition to all the hours of training that you did in your schooling before. So wow. yeah, it's a lot of schooling. Um, it's a lot of kind of working your way up, jumping through a lot of hoops. Um, there are a lot of other differences too that can even happen within people, uh, uh, within psychologists that do clinical work that I'm sure we'll hit on different things at different times as we go. But yeah, so for Professor X, it's, it's unclear it's unclear <laughs> yeah so yeah, and that's that was honestly you you read my mind haha -ha. uh mm -hmm. because he has he's he's done a little bit of everything because everything i'm yeah. seeing is like psychology psychiatry he's also got a doctorate in genetics yeah and some sources i say i saw he had a uh a doctorate in like biophysics and mm -hmm. so he's which all he, make total sense for this guy it does make sense for him, but it's kind of a jack of all trades kind of thing yeah. where it's like this man had to be in school for like 80 years. Like it doesn't even <laughs> makes it doesn't even make sense. But they did. Say, he's like super smart. So one exactly. of the he's think super he, smart. And also, you know, he he can glean information rather easily. <laughs> yeah, he got his he's yeah, he got his bachelor when bachelor's when he was like 16. Yeah. Ugh, and yeah. yeah. And so his yeah, his whole life has just been. I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I'm kind of cool about it. Like he definitely mm -hmm. has his flaws throughout the comics, but he, for the most part, he has just dedicated his life to helping mutants reach their potential. And it's, it's so cool because when you look at like the, the story of the X-Men, you have Magneto and professor Charles Xavier who are really good friends, but yeah. have very, very, differing views it just so happens that one is able to control metal and the other is able to do just about whatever he wants to when it comes to the human mind like had those powers been reversed we'd have a very yes. different marvel universe on our hands i think <laughs> right and on the flip side you can probably feel a little bit more secure in yourself if you know that if worse comes to worse worse comes to worse you can control someone's mind yeah and so it's it's very it's He's he's an interesting character because when you really think about what he does, he has so many different roles, which I feel yes. like could be distracting if he's someone's therapist. Because if you look at the X-Men, like he's their school teacher. Mm -hmm. He is their landlord because, I mean, they <laughs> they they live at the school. Some of them work right? for him. Right. Some of them work for him. Right. He's their battalion leader. Right. Mm -hmm. He sends them on missions because yeah. we're not going to talk about how the X-Men are child soldiers, but the X-Men are child soldiers. Um, <laughs> well, and also children and not all of them have loving, understanding or capable families. And so I wonder if he also ends up as a guardian for any of them. Absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's so many of them that he is their guardian. And so when you look at that, like I can't like I can't imagine if my doctor was also my dentist, was also my landlord, was mm -hmm. also the principal of my school. Like that that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. And it, it yes. definitely I feel like that's gotta ride some lines, right? Yeah. So 
let's talk about dual relationships. So when it comes to the ethics that I go by are via psychology, but there tend to be a lot of similarities across different fields, particularly if you're in you overlap in what you provide. So like the mental health resources and treatments. Psychology, I would say, tends to like to be very black and white. And honestly, ethics tend to be very gray. Um, so essentially, when it comes to dual relationships, they are not recommended. It's strongly recommended that you avoid dual relationships, meaning you have more than one type of identity for that person. So Keaton, let's say you, you said, hey, can you be my therapist? I'd say absolutely not. Because I'm your friend. Um, also, okay. we do a podcast together. So yes. we're kind of colleagues too. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Just right? True. So so we actually have dual relationships that we didn't used to have pre-podcast. And we actually talked about, well, you guys don't know this, but we talked about certain things to kind of set it up and make sure that we had certain boundaries set to make sure that, you know, what we do with the podcast doesn't negatively impact our friendship. And so sometimes dual relationships are unavoidable. Let's say you live in a super small town or you, I know one person talked to me once about you have a certain uh, religious community, um, especially if it tends to be a smaller religious community, then you might be more likely if you share that in common, ending up in the same places or you might end up being neighbors with someone and you just find out later that, oh, okay, apparently we go to the same places or we live in the same neighborhood. It's actually quite easy for dual relationships to happen. And so it's very, very important to communicate. If you're doing therapy, there's just so many vulnerabilities that can go on with that, that you just want to avoid power differentials and things that can make a person more vulnerable to being hurt. So money, if money's involved, that's really not recommended. You don't want to have your client being paid to, I don't know, watch your cat or <laughs> I don't know. Ideally, they're not your barber. But once again, there are small towns where that's not an option. So, okay, to give him the benefit of the doubt, Professor X works with a very specific population of people that probably really struggle to be understood, to get adequate and appropriate resources, and to actually get effective treatment because there's such nuances to being a mutant and his genetic background and all of these things and even his powers probably help him be one of very few people that could help but at the same time I don't know if he does therapy I mean he's got background and he definitely supports people and helps people process things but it's hard because he's, yeah, he's teacher, he's guardian, he's boss, he, but he's also helping them kind of emotionally through stuff and he has all this background, but he also can read my, you know, he can do all these other things. So is he using his powers or is he being a therapist or it gets yeah. really confusing. And that's why dual relationships, you got to be really careful. Yeah, because like he can he because yeah, this is this is someone that, for example, as a therapist, whenever you talk to patients, I'm sure there are times where they keep certain information away from you. Oh God, right? yes, absolutely. <laughs> Who, because they're human. <laughs> they're human, and and they're allowed to be human. But yeah. with Professor X, there've been so many times I feel like where mm. it's like. 
I know you're lying. And it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of yeah. cheating, right? Right. And so, it's yes. an invasion of privacy. I mean, the ethics of that too. So there's supposed to be consent. So if you're providing psychiatric or psychotherapeutic services, there are some extenuating circumstances, but even in those extenuating circumstances, there's usually some level of consent that's happening. And yet he is able to broach all of that and essentially cheat. He can know, he can manipulate, he can he can essentially change things without that person wanting to. Or, you know, sometimes maybe it's a easy, quick fix. I don't know. Like, it might be nice if your therapist could just snap their fingers and poof, you know, things are different in your brain. So, okay, there are some advantages maybe, but yeah, like... The ethics would be so complicated behind this if you're trying to provide these services and yet you have this natural ability that really could take away someone's consent. And when is that? I mean, I guess technically that could be helpful, but that's not really how we run things. Yeah, because I'm in the, the first one that comes to mind is his interactions with Jean Grey as a child, particularly mm-hmm. in the movies. He more or less separates a certain part of her mind mm-hmm. from itself to the point that she's not the real person that she is or wants to be because the real person, the real version of her is actually quite dangerous And Mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm, like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm just going to separate them and keep that part of her mind locked away. And it's like, uh, that, you just kind of did that. That's pretty heavy. And there was no permission slip signed. Not to mention she's minor. Oh, wow. Yes, that too. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, that adds a whole other layer of consent. And even if he's the guardian, the guardian providing the treatment, oof. Yeah, you know, like there are so many layers. Yeah. And you're also hitting on another great point. Where mutinism within Marvel and and how they work with that, it's very interesting. You can compare it to a lot of different social factors that have historically happened in in, in terms of people's rights and ability to express themselves. And you're actually hitting on another ethical question mark that comes up with mental health a lot too. When is something a part of you that makes you different and it has its its benefits and its its cons versus when does it need fixing or adjusting and who gets to decide now he's in a great position to i think empathize because he's a mutant he also has the knowledge of the genetics and da 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 da, da, da. so it's great but i think you're with Jean Grey you're hitting on a good point who gets to decide where that line is Right. Same thing when I think about Rogue, because he had to help Rogue in. I've seen him help Rogue in so many different ways, whether it's in the comics or in the cartoon show or like X-Men Evolution or even in the movies where Rogue is essentially when when she gets to the X-Men, she's in this position where she's just like, what is wrong with me? Like, Like, I cannot touch anyone. And then at other points, I've seen it where he had to help her mentally because Mm -hmm. she was starting to take on, like, she was taking in too many different powers. And that happened, I think, in X-Men Evolution. And he had to try and, like calm her down and so it's it's so the the number of roles that he has to take and yet he's also kind of the only one that can take it like because he's like oh this is what's going on with them oh this is where they are right now like there's there's so many different responsibilities and 
he does a pretty good job pulling it off. But I do understand what you're saying when you said, is he a therapist, psychologist? Absolutely, I think, right? Yeah, but, I mean, he's a psychologist if he has a PhD in psychology. Right. But that does not mean he's a therapist. Right. Now, once again, given given the timeline, because usually, you know, you've had the World War II stuff happen with Magneto and whatnot. So, so, like, given the timeline that usually they fall in, his psychiatry degree probably means that he's he's got some decent psychotherapy background but yeah it, it's it, even if he has that moniker his role is so blurred and this is not me saying professor x is a terrible person he's horrible and because like you said i mean this this is one of those cases of how many people can truly help these are such unique situations and one I, I bring this up from time to time like I, I work in a field where we tend to flex because when people are really struggling especially if they don't blend into society very well sometimes things look a little different in how you adjust treatment but that being said for Professor X to be able to do this in a sustainable ethical way there would just need to be there would need to be a lot of clear conversations and and discussion with people and their families and and there would also need to be checks and balances with other people to just kind of make sure that essentially everyone has an understanding of okay what what is his role where does their consent come in how, where do they have control of things making sure that he doesn't end up as this powerful figure that you quote can say no to but not really you know kind of like how let's talk about the me too movement where people were talking about sexual assault and harassment and how the power differentials people will think they're getting consent from people and you're not getting consent you're in charge of me I can't say no not to not to say that that these people feel like they've been assaulted in that way but they potentially could and if he has too, so many powerful roles you've got to be very very careful and cautious so a lot of careful conversations and and consulting with others and having checks and balances in place would be just so so necessary yeah and it's the checks and balances that aren't really there i mean in the world of mutants of course there's like it, it's one of those always a bigger fish but he's mm -hmm. a huge huge fish and I, my first my first thought when it came to checks and balances is man everybody needs one of those helmets like magneto has to kind of like hey yeah sure i'll take my helmet off and you can take a peek in there but otherwise i'm keeping my helmet on you know magneto is such a dang it i need to i i we're gonna have to end with how batman's better but <laughs> <laughs> magneto is an excellent villain because they've gotten more and more like this over time, just generally with comics. But I feel like even from way back when, he's always made a really good point. And like, who wouldn't want a way to block the all-powerful dude from knowing everything going on in your head and being able to control you? I mean, right. I'd want that helmet. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's now, Magneto's always been an extremely interesting character. He's honestly, yeah. like, if I'm looking at my my Marvel characters, he is by far one of my favorite mm. Marvel characters. And what's interesting about, what, what makes him so interesting is him standing next to Professor X. Because they yeah. both want similar things 
but it's slightly different because Magneto, he's really big on mutant superiority. Whereas Charles is like, hey, we can live together. We can work together. We can live in harmony. And, And Magneto, of course, because of all his experiences in his past, it's like, nope, nope. I see where this goes. F that. So you're making a connection for me that I hadn't done before. You know how I was talking, comparing mutinism to mental health in terms of what makes us different versus what needs fixing. What you're describing here actually, for me, really relates to different forces within the mental health lived experience realm and emphasis of treatment and whatnot. So you have people that in their recovery and working on their their mental health and the, the struggles that they have that a lot of times are labeled that way, who really embrace treatments and therapies and supports and a lot of times, you know, seeing these structures as being helpful. However, There are major issues with the production of pharmaceuticals. There's just horrific history of abuse and neglect within mental health treatment in the past. You absolutely still have abuses and people getting taken advantage. It's better now, but it's not a perfect system. And so... You actually have what I what I would say is comparable to maybe Magneto in the mental health realm. Like you have, for example, uh, Mad in America, where you have factions of people within mental health recovery who are more the embrace who we are, oftentimes kind of like an anti-psychiatry, sometimes fully anti-treatment approach where essentially like Magneto, we've seen where this has gone before. There are so many imperfections and abuse and and we're tired of it and we're choosing our own path and and we're not going to let you guys be a part of it. And and it just I think it relates really well to the comparison you're talking about. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people I don't think it's ever been confirmed as official, but a lot of people whenever they're talking about Professor X next to Magneto, a lot of the comparisons that they make are with Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X. And I don't think, and it's, it's interesting because like I said, the similarities are definitely there, but I'm not sure if it was ever confirmed that they are directly based off of them. But one of the things they talk about is how Magneto's ideals were similar to Malcolm X because he constantly talks like fighting fire with fire to achieve Mm -hmm. equality versus Martin Luther King, like wanting a more peaceful means. And it's very, very, to, to say it like that is one very, very oversimplified because sure. well, for one, like MLK, like the, I have a dream speech is just one of several speeches that he had where he talks mm-hmm. about a number of different things, but mm-hmm. that's just the first thing it comes to when you're looking at yeah. those two characters next to each other, you can definitely see the similarities but i never thought about it in the way that you just explained as far as the differences in the system that we're in yeah currently well i didn't fully think that through until you were talking about it so it's the beauty of the podcast yes and for the record y'all i love marvel Okay, Batman is my favorite, <laughs> so I. but I don't I don't need y'all in the comments being like, oh, this guy hates Marvel. I promise you, I don't. <laughs> I have tons of Marvel comics. I own every single movie, and I'm like, I, I promise you, I absolutely love me 
some mm-hmm. Marvel. I got it. And yeah. how is Batman better? He, he's just. He just is. I don't even. I just. <laughs> it's it's religious for me at this point. Listen, I have, mm. like, listen. I'm informed with everything else, but I know who I serve. <laughs> 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 but yeah. So going back to Professor X, though, like this is someone that I really do salute because as far as all of the different things he has to do, the only person I can think of that covers this many different bases is when we talked about. Alfred and all the different oh, things yeah. he he has mm-hmm. to do. I'm so very glad that you you talked about the differences between psychology and therapy because thinking about it in the X mansion with all of these students there and all of them interacting with each other and having issues with each other, there's a certain level where he's like, "I'm your teacher. I can't give you relationship advice mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I have to also give her relationship advice." in 20 minutes because she's also has a session with me like that can get so very that's another great point messy, where right? it it can get messy and sometimes people find out you usually usually you talk it through beforehand if if you know someone knows someone else because sometimes someone say really likes a therapist so they recommend it to someone they know and of course you do, you know, you, if you find something you like and they're needing it, it's only natural. But, you know, sometimes you don't even know and you find out later like, oh, shoot, this person knows someone else that I work with. And so, you know, some of those layers can happen. But, yeah, that would happen constantly with Professor X. And so one thing I will say is that his ability to compartmentalize would have to be just phenomenal his real his real superpower <laughs> it's his real superpower yeah the ability and, and i mean like i think a lot of us as psychologists can can hold that like like for example you know i can have i can have two friends who are arguing with each other and i can support both of them and both of them feel fine with it i did that so many times growing up so you know i, I think sometimes people who can naturally compartmentalize to a certain extent like that like might be drawn to the field but man this guy's got me beat like i can't even i can't even imagine how you'd keep all that stuff straight and it, it, with his power set i think he's the only one that that could like i think about, i yeah. think back on like x-men 2 when Bobby and John are are like a, are with Rogue and they're about to get in a fight with some guys in the mall and <laughs> John just straight up sets them on fire and Professor X just freezes everyone around them <laughs> like we got to get the hell out of here what in the world are you doing let's go like that could have gotten out of hand <laughs> so fast so it's a good thing that he is like the headmaster of yeah. this school because <laughs> otherwise like i think things would have went awry long long time ago for sure let's see do we have a mindful nerd moment always always i think you'll like this one i thought we could do professor x using cerebro oh man we didn't yeah. even talk about that he can he can literally connect to the entire world. He can get in anyone's mind on the planet at any time, except for yeah, Magneto. Think ab- <laughs> I know. The more you think about it, the creepier his yeah. powers are. Yeah, it's a good thing he's a good guy, right? Like it's oof. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Yes. So uh, using Cerebro, uh, which hopefully everybody knows about, but in case you don't know, so Professor H- X has this like 
set up. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's called Cerebro and it essentially helps him hone his abilities so he can enter the minds of essentially like anyone in the world. And a lot of times he uses it to locate mutants. And I think in one of the movies, like actually I think maybe multiple ones, he used it to help be able to find like where mutants were living so oh, they yeah. could like go and find them and support them or like Wolverine tell you to F off and all that fun stuff. <laughs> so yes, I wanted us to practice using Cerebro because he's, I think he's got to use some mindfulness to use this because a lot of times when they show Cerebro puts it on and everything's like whirring around him and just like all that information. Can you imagine the overload? Like even for this guy, like that's a lot of information. You really got to know how to focus. You really got to know how to focus. Exactly. So I figured we'd just do a short, quick, mindful Cerebro moment. Okay. All right. So as usual, we'll sit straight but comfortably if... If you're open to it, closing your eyes works best for just that imagination, but you can always just settle your eyes on, you know, nothing in particular in the room. And with all these, it, it helps to just take a few deep breaths. If, you're, if your nose allows you to, if you're not stuffed up, then breathing in through the nose and then slowly out through the mouth just helps us center a bit. And as you're breathing... Picture yourself as Professor X as you make your way in to use Cerebro. As you reach for the Cerebro helmet, you take a few purposeful deep breaths again. As you hold it in your hands and you feel that cool metal, you breathe in and then exhale. Using this as a way of just Focusing your mind on Cerebro and what you're about to do. And now, slowly and purposefully, put Cerebro on your head. And imagine that all of a sudden, you're sensing and able to see all of these people around the world swirling around, all these images and sounds and feelings and emotions, everything swirling. And so in order to help yourself focus, you once again, you take in a deep breath and let it out. Take in a deep breath and let it out. And as you continue to just keep your breathing calm, it helps to slow those images, those sounds, those impressions coming at you just a smidge. Enough for you to pick out one person, doesn't matter who, just find someone somewhere in the world and you hone in on, on their figure, on their thoughts, on their feelings, what they're doing today. And breathe in and breathe out, focusing in on that one particular person, helping you hone in, ground yourself with them. Breathe in. Breathe out. And you imagine helping them to slow their pace in their day, helping them to slowly breathe in. Breathe out. And after this moment, you say, okay, I've done what I need to do today with Cerebro. 
and you prepare yourself before doing it you prepare yourself to remove cerebro by once again breathing in breathing out placing your hands purposefully on cerebro feeling that cool metal under your fingertips and with your next inhale you lift cerebro and with your exhale you place cerebro down again and now we're going to shift away from cerebro away from professor x and back to the podcast so with your next breath breathe in the room that you're in and breathe out that same air move around a little bit just to remind yourself of where you're at you're no longer with cerebro you're no longer professor x you're back to you and when you're ready open and refocus your eyes how was that? I really like that because he also has to use that mindfulness. Like one, yep. The first thing that came to mind was in Days of Future Past when they go back in time and you find out that he's not using his powers because he just couldn't handle yes. the voices that never stopped. But he eventually, when he stopped taking the meds to keep the thoughts out, mm-hmm. he was able to focus. Yes. I thought that was really, really interesting the way that they did that. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny how they, they kind of sneak mindfulness into, into things all the time. They sneak it's it in everywhere. there. And it's like, oh, that is mindfulness, isn't mm-hmm. it? Much respect to Professor X and all that he does, because with that power set, he has to give himself checks and balances. So salute. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd, Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.